All right, take your Bible, please. We're, we're deviating from 1 Peter and uh, want to share some Christian, Christmas messages uh, since we're in the season. I want to thank Stacy for her message of last Sunday uh, that was called uh, Emmanuel, God with us. Incidentally, she didn't know, but uh, that week I had put it in the sign out front, Christmas is coming, Emmanuel, God with us. And that Sunday she preached on that subject. The promise, the presence, and the peace is what she referred to. So uh, thank you, Stacy. I'll make sure I let her know that later. Uh, so anyway, stand with me, please. We're in John, did I say First John? The Gospel of John, chapter 1. The Gospel of John, chapter 1. I've entitled the message today, The Songs of, Christ- of Christmas. The Songs of Christmas. So John chapter 1, starting at verse number 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was in the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Down to verse number 9. That was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as did receive him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Down to verse number 18. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. So, Father, thank you, Lord, for your word today. And thank you for this point in the service where we could break open the bread of life. We ask you, Lord, feed us the meat of your word today that we may be better equipped for this battle that we're in. We welcome your Holy Spirit to teach us what we need to know and to equip us for this fight that we're in. But, Father, we rejoice Because we can say with all of our heart, we believe, God, you sent your very best for the very worst of us. And we welcome your presence to speak to us now through this passage and others that we'll be talking about today. Father, anoint me with your Holy Spirit that I may proclaim your truth. May the word be received by everyone here and on live stream and through social media later. May it be received and applied to our lives And may we be better for it. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Christmas is the greatest season of the year. Christmas is better than your hometown winning the World Series or the Super Bowl. Christmas is just a great time of year all over the world because people are remembering that God sent his best for the least of us. I want to continue with the theme of Christmas this morning. I've entitled the message, The Songs of Christmas. 
And you might be thinking of some of the classic hymns that we sing during this time. And I love them all. I sing them too. Joy to the world. Angels we have heard on high. Hark the herald angels sing. In fact, in my history, how many of you remember back in the day before videos were popular, some parents had these big contraptions, big floodlights on a camera. And they would film their children. Well, yours truly was filmed singing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, while he was in kindergarten at Resurrection School in Rye, New York. And there I am with little angel outfit on singing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Still a classic song. How about the first Noel? How about Silent Night? Christmas is not complete until we sing Silent Night, which we do every year during our Christmas Eve service. Oh, come all ye faithful. Oh, holy night. We love them all. They're all wonderful hymns of the, of the church. But today I want to identify four other biblical songs that are in the narrative of the Christmas story. And they're found in the Gospel of Luke. All four of them are found in the Gospel of Luke. And you might be asking, why did we read John then and not Luke? Well, we'll re read Luke in a minute. But this chapter of John really is the backdrop for everything else that follows. There are several key statements here making up our Christian doctrine. We call them the essentials of the faith, essential Christian doctrines today that are, that are today challenged by not only secularists, but also some religious groups, some denominations question some of the things that I'm going to be talking about in just a minute. But most of what we need to know about Jesus, about what we hear about in Matthew and Luke, the backdrop is here in John's gospel. So quickly, I just want to go through this really quickly because we have something else to talk about. But I want you to see some of the doctrinal truths that are listed in this portion of Scripture. Number one is this, verse number one. Jesus always was. It says, in the beginning was the Word. Now, verse number 14 says, the Word became flesh. So the Word is Jesus. So in the beginning was the Word. We can say that before earth was created, before people, before water, before life, before anything was going on, Jesus existed. And that's very important to understand. Many people don't believe that. Verse 1b says, secondly, that J Jesus is God in the flesh. This is an essential to the doctrine that we believe. Jesus is God in the flesh, the deity of Christ. And um, in Philippians 2, we read that God emptied himself. Jesus emptied himself, left glory to come to live on earth, to give his life away. In verses 3 and 4, we read that all life is in Jesus. Physical birth, spiritual birth, emotional birth, cognizant birth, re relational birth. It's all in Christ. Verse 3 and 4. In him, all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Acts 17 says that it's in him that we live and move and have our being. Colossians chapter 1 says, through Christ all things were made made through him and made for him. My commentary on that little por portion is until we get right with God, something is incomplete in our lives. We are made for God. We're made through Jesus. We're made for Jesus. 
in verses four through six through eight, we see that John came as a witness. We didn't read that part in the narrative, but I include it here because there's something about the prophecies that are so important in telling the Christmas story. This was prophesied in Isaiah 40 and Malachi chapters 3 and 4, that there would be a forerunner to the Christ. There would be a forerunner to the Messiah that would be proclaiming repent for the kingdom of God is near. And then number five, we see that Jesus is the true light of the world. Verse number nine, Jesus is the light of the world. John 8, 12 says, if you follow me, you will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You ever wonder, where are you going? Where are we going? What are we doing? Where have we, we been? What is our future like? Jesus is the true light of the world. We see in verse number 11, number six, that Jesus' people didn't receive him. His family didn't. His, his, the, Jewish, the Jewish people didn't. A very small percentage did. The 12 did. Maybe the 70 that he sent out, they did. But overall, Israel as a nation <clears throat> did not receive uh, Jesus' testimony until after Pentecost. Verses, uh, verse number 12, number 7. Whoever receives him is called a child of God. Whoever receives Jesus is called a child of God, whether Jew or Gentile or slave or free or male or female or young or old or whatever. Whoever receives Christ is called a child of God. And then finally, in verses 14 and 18, number eight, we see that Jesus was born. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And he has declared God. Matthew 1 says that it is Emmanuel. His name will be called Emmanuel, God with us. He came with love. He came with mercy. He came with a sacrifice to save those that are lost and we're all lost. And all this to say, and I bring this up today to say to all of you today, those online, I say, Merry Christmas. Christ has come. The reality is we are, in, we are lost and, and with no hope without the birth of our Savior. Amen? <clears throat> Amen? <clears throat> you can clap. Come on. <laughs> He's our Redeemer. He's our Deliverer. He's our Healer. He's our baptizer in the Holy Spirit. He's our creator. He's the true light of the world. He's the author and finisher of our faith, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the first fruits of all that have perished and have risen again. I heard a sermon recently from uh, the pastor of Harvest Time Assembly of God, Pastor Glenn Harveston, who, by the way, that's our home church many years ago, the church that we were sent out from. Let me just give you a quick testimony. Harvest Time, and when we left there in 1993, was probably running about 200 people. And they sent us out as, as missionary pastors to pioneer a work in Webster, Massachusetts. At that time, 200 people. In, in the 30 years that have, that have left since then, the church has grown to over 1,000 people. And they just celebrated their 40th anniversary in a multi-million dollar facility with three services and a thousand people coming to it. And that pastor, Glenn, uh, who came after we had left, some years ago he preached a message and he called the message the hymn of the incarnation based upon these scriptures that I just read in John chapter one, the hymn of the incarnation. And what he was saying was the early church was known to actually have sung this 
passage of Scripture in reverence to God, full of doctrine, full of promise, full of hope. And so he preached this whole message about this hymn of incarnation. I thought, you know what? Jesus deserves to be sung to. We have a faith that's worthy of song, worthy of expression. Uh, God in flesh appearing. He came to live, to die, to rise, to ascend back to glory. He paid the price. He paid the ransom. He footed the bill for our freedom from bondage to sin. It started me thinking, no wonder why there's so many fantastic songs of Christmas. And I'm not talking about chestnuts roasting on an open fire. I'm not talking about jingle bells or frosty the snowman, although they have their place in our culture. I'm talking about songs that talk about heaven and nature sing. Oh, holy night, the first Noel. Today I want to talk about four songs in the Bible that I think we could glean some important information from and apply them to our lives that we could be singing the Christmas songs from the Word of God. Are you with me, church? Are you ready for this? All right, so turn with me to Luke's Gospel. We'll be in Luke's Gospel for a little bit here. Luke chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 46 to 55 in just a minute, but... This first song is the song of Mary. How many of you ever heard the song of Mary? It's called in some circles the Magnificat. The Magnificat is is a song that that, uh, we play every Christmas Eve during communion. It's Mary's response to being called to be the bearer of the Christ child and her response to her relative Elizabeth, who in verses 42 through 45 call her blessed, Call her the mother of her Lord. Call her blessed because she believed in God. And Mary's song is her response to all of that. So she says in verse number 46, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. And behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed For he who is mighty has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their throne and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. I want to submit to you today that Mary's song is a song of humility. It's a song of humility. Look at uh, verses 46 and 47. It says that uh, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. I want to talk about the difference between soul and spirit for just a minute. Our soul is the essence of our humanity. It's our life. It's our existence. It's an expression that we're alive and breathing. But the spirit within us is that part of the soul that responds to God. And here Mary's soul magnified the Lord, but her spirit rejoiced in God, my Savior, she says. I think of it this way. Sometimes during worship, when we begin, our spirit may not be where our soul is. 
But our soul, our life begins to worship God and we lift up the name of Jesus. And before long, our spirit catches up to where our soul is and we begin to rejoice in our spirit person. I want to encourage you to keep pressing in, keep uh, re- uh, worshiping and rejoicing before the Lord. So our soul, her soul magnifies God. Her spirit rejoices. Hebrews 4.12 tells us this, that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. But the word of God is also a divider of soul and spirit. So there's a difference between the two. But Mary's soul and spirit were rejoicing. The first part of this is that she was lowly. She was humble. Uh, um, Verse number 46. He has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. And over in verse number 52. He's put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. Mary's song of humility is her recognition that she's a lowly person. But in verse 48 and 52, uh, she also says... um, he, the Lord remembers other lowly people. He came for those that are broken, that are feeling less than, that are feeling hurt or struggling in life. So uh, the word says that the Lord is drawn to the humble, but resists the proud. And so I want to encourage you to incorporate a song of Mary in your lives during this, not only during this season, but in your Christian life. Have a song of humility before the Lord. Let's go to the second song. We see it in Luke chapter 1, verses 67 to 79. This is called the song of Zacharias. How many of you know the story of Zacharias in Luke chapter 1? He was doing his priestly duties one day in the temple. And he and his wife were advanced in years. They were good people, loved God. They'd been praying for a son for a long time. They didn't have any children. And one day out of the blue, an angel interrupted his service in the temple and said, Zacharias, your your prayers has been answered. You're going to have a son. And not only that, his son will be a forerunner of the Messiah. He'll come in the spirit of Elijah. And Zacharias's response was, how could that be? Oh, man of little faith. And the angel said, because of your doubt, you won't be able to speak the whole time your wife is pregnant. And for nine months, the poor man couldn't speak. And the second thing he said was when the baby was born, there was controversy. What will his name be? The angel said, you shall call his name John. He wrote down on a on a tablet, his name will be John. And then he said he started to say this. We call the song of Zacharias. So his response to the whole thing was starting at verse 67. Now his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Let me just take a moment here. A lot of the Christmas story, there's a little comment about somebody being filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth, John was moved by the Holy Spirit in her womb. And uh, Simeon, we'll talk to him in a minute, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was all over the Christmas story. Here, Zacharias before Pentecost, is filled with the Holy Spirit. And this is what he says. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the word began, 
that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our lives. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of our God, with which the dayspring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. I want to submit to you today that this song, the song of Zacharias, would be called the song of salvation. It's a song of salvation. It says in verse number 69, he has raised up a horn of salvation or a means of salvation for all of us. Uh, Verse number 68 says, blessed is the Lord God of Israel. He has visited and redeemed his people. Verse 71 says that we should be saved from our enemies. Verse 77 says that uh, he came to give knowledge of salvation to his people and for the remission of sins. Note also in verse 72 and 78 and 79, there's emphasis on mercy. There's emphasis on light. Jesus came to bring salvation. And I think back of the very first promise of salvation and and the Messiah coming in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. When the Lord spoke to Satan and said, there's going to be enmity between you and the woman. For you will bruise him on, on his heel. He will bruise you on your head from the seed of the woman. Isaiah 118 says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are red like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, they shall be as wool. How will this happen? Only through the Messiah, the one that's coming, the sacrificial lamb with the prophetic notion in John's ministry, verses 76 and 77, that John will be the forerunner of the wonderful Messiah. And Zacharias' song proclaims to us today that salvation is available for us. It's available for anyone that turns and looks his way. Let's go to the third song. We see it in Luke chapter 2. I call this the song of the angels. Chapter 2, verses 8 through 20 is really the story of uh, the shepherds. You know, seeing the angels and going to visit the Christ child. But in verses 13 and 14, we see the response to the angels. It says, Luke 2, 13. Suddenly there was, with, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. I want to mention, Stacy had talked about this last week a little bit. And uh, how she was saying that the angels here are declaring the word of the Lord. The angelic host are the warring angels that came to bring the announcement to the shepherds. But they're declaring the glory of the Lord in heaven and peace and goodwill on earth. But to think about that, the angels are submitted to the Lord of hosts. Jesus is referred to as the Lord of hosts. And the angels are submitted to his authority and his, his power. But here the angels 
are recognizing the Lord of hosts as they realize the Lord of hosts is now in the flesh. But they're declaring glory to God. So the song of the angels, I would say, is a song of declaration. It's military-like language. There's a hierarchy here. There's an order. There's a respect. There's an honor given. And the Lord is still on the throne. And every creature under heaven will one day bow before his holy presence. Verses 13 and 14, the multitudes praising God and saying and declaring, the Messiah has come to bring peace and reconciliation between sinful man and a holy God. I see in the scripture there's often a tie-in between these two words, glory and power given to God. We see it here. But in Psalm 24, verse 8, the psalmist said, "He Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, mighty in battle. The Lord is the king of glory, mighty in battle. Psalm 63, verse 2 says, I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. And often we put those two words together. The glory of God is accompanied by the power of God. Somebody may need to hear that today, that as we glorify God and worship the Lord, his power begins to fall upon us and manifest itself in our, in our existence, in our presence. I don't know about you, sometimes I feel the power of darkness around me. I'm not one to give Satan a lot of credit for a whole lot. However, I can't be naive to think it's not there. It is there. But when I give the Lord glory and honor, I sense the power of God begin to manifest and strengthen me. This is the value of worshiping God. We give him the praise and the glory and the honor and we're blessed by it. He inhabits the praises of his people. And I would, I would encourage all of us, let our song, our song be a song of declaration. Telling God, reminding God, not that he needs to be reminded, but just proclaiming and declaring who God is. The angels in Job chapter 38, verse 7, at creation, the NIV translation says, at creation, the angels shouted for joy to the Lord. They were declaring, hallelujah. I can just picture angels rejoicing and shouting for joy that God had created what he created. In Revelation chapter 5, we see that the angels are gathered around the throne of God and they're all singing and worshiping, worthy is the Lamb of God that was slain. And just like the word that came forward today, that definitely was not planned, but I wanted to say this. The angels are rejoicing that the Lamb of God was slain for sinners, not for themselves, but for all of us. The angels are declaring a biblical truth that they don't even benefit from but we benefit from. They're rejoicing with us and rejoicing for us. So in Luke chapter 2, 14, the angels are declaring God's praise and God's purpose. Peace on earth and goodwill toward men. And you may say, there's not a whole lot of peace on earth right now. Well, there is when Jesus resides in somebody's heart, there is. And that's the issue, which is the real motivation to go out into all the world and preach and teach this gospel message. Why is there so much conflict in the world? Why is there so much war and all these things going on today? People are just in need of a savior. Oh, there's a resistance. There's such a resistance to God. 
In fact, most of us probably had some of that resistance before we finally surrendered. My life was like that. I, you, some of you know my story. I, I heard the gospel message for a couple of years before I yielded to it. And my life got progressively worse. As though the Lord was saying, okay, you want to do it your way? Go right ahead. Step down. Another opportunity, step down. Another opportunity, step down. And finally I said, Lord, you got me. I give up. I give up the fight. I surrender to your lordship. And I wish I could say that it's always been an easy, an easy fight. I don't know. Some people think differently than me. But I, I always find the Christian life to be a challenge. There's always something vying for our attention. Trying to get us off track. Some are innocent. Some are not so innocent. I want to just mention the attack of the enemy, the attack of some people that are at work for the enemy, trying to sway us away, move us away from the centrality of the cross in our lives. As for me, I can't afford to do that. I know how I am. (laughs) So does my wife. And I know how I would be without God in my life. It would not be a pretty picture. But I, I I speak for all of us. None of us would be anything without God in our lives. I remember my pastor telling me many years ago, he said, many years ago, he said, Rick, I don't know where you would end up if you didn't have God in your life. It wouldn't have been good. Just going through some things. Yeah, Jesus has come. And now my role, our role is to declare as the angels declared glory to God in the highest. You ever meet these people that are always saying, praise the Lord. I've known people like everything's praise the Lord, but it's all right. I'd rather have that than something else. Praise the Lord. He's a good God. He's a faithful God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. He's good. He's worthy of our praise. It's a declaration that God is who he said he is. So, yeah, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men, goodwill. Christians do good things for people. We're God's hands extended to the world around us. We have good motives, goodwill, good, good things that we do to bless people with some of the necessities of life. But this is a declaration. This is why, this is why we celebrate. We're declaring the word of God. Romans 5.1 says, Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This army of angels here, think about it. An army of angels. They're disciplined, they're trained, they're ready, they're loyal, they're faithful to worship the Lord of hosts. I still think it's such a dynamic that, uh, for instance, in 1 Samuel 1, when we were studying that on Wednesday nights, uh, the people were going to worship the Lord of hosts. And we said, who's the Lord of hosts? The Lord of hosts is Jesus, but the hosts are the angels. Jesus is king of the angels, too. And here the the angels are proclaiming, you know, the Lord of hosts. But the Lord of hosts is now coming in the flesh. The angels must have been saying, oh, my goodness. Glory to God. Only God could do that. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace has come. Goodwill toward men. Because the Lord of hosts is now living on earth. What a great truth that is. And I would just like to say that, you know, another thing, just a little bit offshoot here, but the deity of Jesus is so essential to our faith. I've talked to many people recently that don't believe that Jesus is God in the flesh. 
And they will twist and turn John chapter 1 a million different ways to get out of it. But there's no denying that God, Jesus, emptied himself of glory and came to live on this earth. He's God in the flesh. It's an essential to our faith. Anything less wouldn't satisfy the demand for our salvation. He was a perfect sacrifice. Hallelujah. I could preach on that for a little while. However, let's go to Luke chapter 2. Let me give you the fourth song in the Bible. This is uh, chapter 2, verse 25. This is a story of Simeon. Uh, We're going to read verses 29 to 32. We won't read the whole thing. But Simeon was a just man, a devout man, Jewish man, waiting for the consolation of Israel, waiting for the Messiah to come. I don't know. I don't know this for sure, but I have a feeling he, along with Anna, and maybe the Magi in the east, had access to maybe the writings of Daniel or Jeremiah that prophesied when the Messiah would come. He was ready and waiting for the consolation of Israel to come. And it says the Holy Spirit was upon him. He met Jesus and Mary and Joseph when they brought Jesus to the temple for dedication. And while he's there, he says in verse number 29, he says, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. In other words, now I could die. I've seen what I needed to see. According to your word, my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people. A light to bring revelation uh, to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. I would say that the song of Simeon would be called a song of affirmation. My eyes have seen your salvation. I can affirm in my heart of hearts, I know that I'm saved. I know the Savior. I know that Jesus is the one. A light to the Gentiles, glory to the people of Israel. And I I just, you know, there's something about this whole thing. Jesus fulfilled it all. And Simeon's affirming the fact, this is the one. Think about these prophecies. Seed of a woman. Check. A descendant of Abraham. Check. A descendant of Isaac. Check. And Jacob. Check. From the tribe of Judah. Check. An heir to the throne of David. Check. Anointed and eternal. Check. That's why the deity is so important. Born in Bethlehem. Check. Born of a virgin. That could get two checks. (laughs) The massacre of children involved in this story. Check. The star in the east, the magi coming to visit, the flight into Egypt, the forerunner going before him, all settled in the birth of Jesus Christ. Settling in Nazareth, living his life, performing miracles, proclaiming the kingdom of God, dying, rising on the third day, ascending into glory with the promise, I'm coming back again. And Simeon is saying, he's affirming, this Messiah, he is the one. My eyes have seen the glory of God. Amen. (laughs) Acts chapter 4, verse 12 says this, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There is no other name but the name of Jesus. The word of God says, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those in heaven, earth, and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So let's just try to conclude this, summarize this. 
The songs of Christmas. Yes, I, I love I love the traditional hymns of the church and we sing them. We sang one this morning or two, actually. I love the I love those hymns. I love the traditional songs as well. We'll probably be playing Frank Sinatra and uh, Dean Martin before too long in our household. <laughs> but the songs of the church, the, the songs of the of the Bible, the songs from the word of God have a deeper meaning for the season. So whether it's the song of Mary, the song of Zacharias, the song of the angels, or the song of Simeon, I want to encourage you, church, get a song in your life. Get a song going in your life. Some of us are more prone to songs than others. I'm very prone to songs. I, I hear a song on the radio, it could take me back 20 years like that. I'm right there where I used to be, which is sometimes not a good thing, but that's why I'm careful. But, you know, songs, you know, there's a song in our heart. Zephaniah says the Lord sings over us. I love the analogy. He sings over us. The Lord loves song. He loves song, the songs. So I want to encourage you, find your song. Find your voice. A song of Mary, perhaps. A song of humility and brokenness before God. Tell the Lord, you are all that I need. And I'm thankful, Lord, that you chose me to carry the word in my heart. Mary was a thankful sister. And she was faithful to the Lord her whole life. She was there on the day of Pentecost getting filled with the Holy Spirit. But Mary's, Mary's song is a song of humility. Can we stay humble before our God? Can we stay faithful? Stay thankful before our God. And then there's a song of Zacharias, a song of thankfulness for having a Savior. Just a song of, Lord, thank you for saving my soul. It's not my money. It's not my possessions. It's not my learning. It's not my prestige. It's not my health or my reputation. I want to sing a song of salvation that once I was lost, but now I see. I was, I was lost and gone. Now I'm found. I, I couldn't see, but now I see the things of God. He saved me. Amen. He delivered me. I remember I read, a, I read a story about someone in their obituary. Part of his obituary, the greatest thing he ever did in life was he hit a hole in one on the golf course. I said, oh my goodness, I hope I have more to offer than that. How about, you know, at age 26, he gave his heart to Jesus Christ and life was changed. He had a savior, his name was Jesus. That would be my legacy. How about a song of the angels declaring the power and might and glory of God, declaring God's goodwill and peace toward men. Sing songs of declaration. Hallelujah. And what about the song of Simeon, a song of affirmation? Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Our God is higher than any other God. I happened to catch our worship service from last Sunday on Facebook, and that was the song I happened to catch into. But yeah, we were proclaiming our God is greater. Our God is higher. Our God is stronger than any other God. Our God is able. Our God is faithful. Our God is true. He never relents. He never stops loving us. Can we do any less than what these dear people and angels did in the word of God? The song of Christmas starts in our hearts, proceeds to our lips, and our hands lifting upward like that, our face skyward 
in humility saying, oh God, thank you for choosing me. You ever wonder, like in a family, why did you get saved and not somebody else in your family? I wonder that all the time. Why, why that? It, was it all me and not that? I don't know. God, but God moved on us in a special way. We couldn't resist him. But in humility, salvation, declaring and affirming what God has done. I love Philippians 1.6. You hear me say it a lot. Sometimes we sing it. But he who started a good work in you is faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. The day of Jesus Christ. I thought Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Oh yeah, but he's coming again. And until he comes again, he who started a work in you is faithful to complete it. Can we sing a song that declares the faithfulness of God? Great is thy faithfulness, right? His mercies are new every morning. Can we stand together, please? For the altar call today, I want to I challenge you to find a song in your heart. There's four areas. Hopefully you got it. Songs of humility. Songs of salvation. Songs of declaration. And songs of affirmation. Can you find your place in the Christmas story and begin to worship God, how God has dealt with you? Maybe, like for me, to tell you the truth, I had so much pride, I couldn't surrender to God until I got lower. The pride had to be broken. But I sing praises to God all the time now. Lord, thank you for making me humble. Keep me humble. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. I will declare your praise. Sometimes we just sing the word of God. We proclaim his praise. And we affirm that God is still at work in us. He's not done. He hasn't completed the work yet. I mean, it's completed at the cross, but we have a life to live. So every head bowed for just a moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I can remember you heard me say this, the very first born again Christmas that Pamela and I had many years ago. For our Christmas present, we bought a brand new Bible, first one, and had a funny looking tree that I cut down off of a big pine tree. I got the branch because the real tree wouldn't fit. Much to my wife's chagrin, who was my wife of six months or so. (laughs) But that first Christmas, first born again Christmas was very special. I knew the story. But now I knew the story in my heart of hearts. And I want to ask the question today, is there anybody here that you know, you know everything I just said. You could probably recite the whole Christmas story. But today's the, the day of reckoning for you when you take all of that and make it your own. And the Lord is asking you, own this. Make it yours this year. You may know the history of it. You may have sung like I did in kindergarten, whatever. But today, at your age, at your point in life, today is your day to make this story your story. There may be some here today that feel like I need to renew my relationship because all these songs and all this talk about Christmas, all I'm worried about is buying presents and making food and feeding everybody and all the hustle and bustle. I missed the point of Christmas. The good news is is that it's not here yet. We have time to get it together. 
But maybe somebody needs to renew your walk with the Lord today. For some people, Christmas, because it's such a family tradition many times, unfortunately offers sadness or anxiety and past memories. And you need some healing of those things so you can begin to enjoy Christmas in a born-again manner. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to read Luke chapter 2, 13 and 14. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we know everything I just said, it's all fact, it's all history, it's all good. Thank you, we have access to it. But Lord, unless we make it personal, it just stays in the history books. So today, with everyone else, those online as well, we all make you Lord and Savior of our lives. Lord, help us to sing a song of humility, a song of salvation, a song of declaration, and a song of affirming that you've come to save me. Let that be a reality for each and every one of us. Lord, for those of us that need to renew the relationship, let us, have, let us do it today. Let us do it before the 25th of December. Let us have the joy that only you can put in our hearts regarding this special time. Father, for anyone th- this morning that remembers negative things that have happened in our lives from many, many years ago, some hurts or some issues that have arisen, we plead the blood of Jesus over those things And we pray, Lord, that healing emotionally would take place and that we could really enjoy your presence, knowing we're forgiven, we're cleansed, and you're going to take care of those situations as well. So, Father, thank you for this word today. For these next couple of weeks, Lord, let us walk in your grace and in your mercy that you have provided for us. Thank you, Lord, that you sent your very best for each one of us. In Jesus' name. Let's read Luke 2, verse 13. Suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. Let's say it again, but I want you to say it really loud this time. Suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. We're getting there. Let's say it one more time. Suddenly, saying, Hallelujah. Amen. Well, let me pray for you. Father, thank you for this crowd here today. Thank you for filling up the sanctuary. Thank you for those online. But thank you mostly for your word today. May we have a song of Christmas. May it be personalized just between me and you, Lord, one on one. Let us let us find that song, find that place of rejoicing for what you've done and what you're doing and for what you will do in our lives. We give you all the praise. May your blessing be upon our lives, our families 
as these next two weeks are going to happen. Lord, give us the guidance we need regarding gifts and money and food and hustle and bustle. Give us the peace we need. And we thank you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. God bless you. Go in victory and go with the song. Amen.